As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Glanville. Mike tried his coffee at Starbucks with a double latte skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to Starkville, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Also, check out the Athletic Baseball Show because we are now part of that. We do this thing every Tuesday. So, let me introduce myself. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for the Athletic, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, Professor, distinguished former major leaguer, Doug Lanville. And Doug, yeah, I've been looking forward to this show all day because we are pretty much guaranteed to laugh until it hurts. And you know why <laughs> that is, Doug? Because we're yeah. going to be joined by the great Rex Hudler. And uh, I, I believe yeah. you were once Rex Hudler's teammate. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Philadelphia, uh, the a.k.a. the Wonder Dog. Yeah. Oh, man, he was great. Always yep. something going on with that guy. You know, Doug, once upon a time in spring training, uh, we went out to dinner tonight. Uh, we went out to dinner one night. It was me, my wife, my sister, and my brother-in-law. They lead us to our table, and sitting there at the next table was not just Rex, not just Rex Hudler, but Rex Hudler and Bruce Hornsby. And yeah. Bruce's whole band, The Range. Yes. I, like, I have never laughed harder for like three hours <laughs> over dinner in my life. And that's because uh, Hud is one of the most positive <laughs> and most entertaining people on the planet. He just is. And uh, by the way, Bruce Hornsby, pretty freaking cool himself. Um, uh, he loves baseball. So I've actually run into him twice on the baseball trail since that night. And he always remembers me. And I owe that all to Rex Hudler. Um, Hud, he now calls Royals games in his own 
inimitable style. So we'll ask him about those first place Royals. We'll ask him to reveal his favorite Doug Glanville stories. It'll be awesome, don't you think? Oh, man. I mean, Rex, he was just one of the most positive people and just joyous people to be around. Made you appreciate every day going to the ballpark, being in the brotherhood. Uh-huh. He um, he just had a great appreciation for like, life. He was humble. Uh, he just cared about everyone. Just amazing. And, you know, it just made you laugh all the time. He had his, all his phrases on, uh, you know, ball would be hit out and he'd say, pilot to bombardier, pilot to bombardier. You know, like, I mean, he called, he just called the game while we were playing. You could tell yeah. he was just like kid in the candy store, a fan, uh, but also, you know, had some pop too. He was a, you know, super utility guy. And um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to really talking to Rex. I mean, he just, it's been a minute. I've run into him here and there, text him here and there. But um, his take on the game today, I, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> hey, speaking of that, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but it is no longer April. Can you confirm, Doug? I can. It is past <laughs> April. <laughs> yes, it's post. It's the post-April portion of the year, and that, that's good because it means there are actual days now where we can go outside without four layers on. I'm excited <laughs> about that. But it's also good because we have had a month of baseball to look back on, and I just did that because that's what I do. I wrote a big column called What We Learned in April. So, Doug, before we bring in Rex Hudler, I, I would love to talk about one of the huge takeaways in that column. Here, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. It has never been harder to hit. Okay, listen to these numbers. Almost 1,100 more strikeouts than hits in April. Mm. We'd only had one season in history with 1,000 more strikeouts than hits, and then we just had a month with more strikeout with 1,000 mm. more strikeouts than hits. Also... Uh, the sport, the sport is batting 232. It's the lowest sport-wide batting average ever. We've got a little more than seven and a half hits per game per team. It's the fewest ever. Uh, like there's a lot more we could get into it if you want, but here's my question to you: Why do you think this is? And I'm going to tell you my take. I think honestly, the biggest myth of modern baseball times is that this is somehow the hitter's fault. This is about pitching, man. Like pure and simple. I'll tell you why, but I'm just curious what you think, seeing as how you once were a hitter for a living. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would put more weight on, on pitching just because uh, the, the matchups has been such a big part of it, right? I'm trying to think back to my career if, if there was a pitcher in every bullpen just for me to get me out, right? <laughs> and to pitch to that, my weakness, that's right? right? I mean, th- that, that's a problem. And I, I definitely, so if you, if you were a sinker ball, for example, I don't know how I hit Braden Looper in the playoffs, by the way, but that would be <laughs> my nightmare because Derek Lowe, Brandon Webb, these guys, like that was just a nightmare for me. So I, I, do, right. I do get that. I also think that maybe it's a chicken and egg question, but hitters have also de-emphasized contact to a certain degree uh, in exchange for, that's the key line there, in exchange for the power upside. Because, you know, if I'm going to strike out 50 more times a year, but I'm going to hit seven, eight, nine more home runs because of that, because on an 0-2 count, I'm swinging for my heels and I might run into one. (laughs) 
that's rewarded in today's game. So, you know, there's there's a practical reality of players knowing that where are the spoils and where are the rewards of the game? That's why you had PEDs. Like, why do you have PEDs? If nobody cared about home runs, then you wouldn't have PEDs. Or, or if you didn't care about throwing 100 miles an hour. So I do think part of this is the residual effect that, that we cannot escape in baseball of PEDs and performance-enhanced drugs. Like, the fact that we put so much emphasis to a soul-selling level to hit home runs and get the power numbers. And you kind of forget that there's always a cultural residual of that, that now you say, well, all right, maybe I can't do it this way, but I still got to hit home runs. The strikeouts are worth it. We're paying all these guys all this money to be one-dimensional. All you got to do is hit home runs or throw 100 miles an hour and strike out people. Yes, you're going to lose on the fringes the nuances of the game. So I think players have recognized, hitters have recognized, like, well, what's the reward of me choking up beating the shift and go the other way. We heard Jay Bruce, right? Jay Bruce says, well, fine. Okay, instead of 250 with 35 home runs, I hit 279 with 20 home runs. I mean, nobody cares. Nobody cares from the standpoint of your paycheck. And and so the game's going to have to recapture it. So yes, I think pitching is a big part of it. High velocity, great movement, uh, the data, the science. And I think pitch, hitting is behind it. But I also think hitters have also said, hey, if I run into it, <laughs> that's still good. And I'm going to still swing for my heels with two strikes and not care if I put the ball in play. By the way, I don't care even more because there's 12 guys on the right side of the field. Right. So why, you know, so why am I going to hit it over there anyway? Like, I, I, you know, I have this incredible response that I've gotten in the story comments and uh, social media from people saying the hitters just won't adjust. They just have to hit the ball the other way and go back to the small ball. And like, how exactly would that happen? <laughs> okay. There, there is no such thing as a ground ball single anymore. There's always somebody standing there. Um, right. Like that's a, that's a problem. Um, I, I want, I, I want them to envision they are standing home pl- at home plate. A role as Chapman is throwing a hundred and one miles an hour <laughs> in on their hands. Like just even try to make contact, let alone slap it through some hole on the other side. Try that sometime. Uh, now you add in all the movement. Like we know there's a reason that baseball is cracking down on substances. Pitchers are slathering this stuff on their <laughs> hands and the movement. What? Like, watch the pitches. We've never seen balls move like this. Never. Well, they've, okay. always, been, they've always been slathering, though. <laughs> they've, they've slathered, but like 3,000 RPM <laughs> right. spin rates on cutters? No. That has not happened. At 98, like, watch Corbin Burns stuff. I'm not saying Corbin Burns cheats. Just watch... Watch that 98-mile-an-hour Mariano cutter that he throws and tell me how you were supposed to neatly place that on the other side. And then you talked about another thing, too, and that is when you played, there wasn't a reliever on every team who was set up just to counteract what you do best. Now there's like four, and they all throw 97 to 103. They yeah. just do. So there's one for every time you come to the plate. It's the starter. It's two guys like that. It's a setup man throwing 99 or it's the closer. That's what modern hitters face in their four 
trips to the dish every night. Good luck. Do not tell me this is the hitter's fault. The pitching is too good. I rest my case. I mean, I I hear you. I mean, I'm I'm feeling sympathetic for my own career listening to you. Actually, like, <laughs> I mean, and you you look at the Royals right now. I'm like, I mean, you have guys. I mean, it's crazy how how good they can bridge to, to close games out. And that was, you know, the Royals championship team had that sort of back end, right? They kind of created this major culture around these three guys, seven, eight, and nine. It's it's over. And uh, and now that's turned into five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> you know, like, so it, it, it's it's really tough. I don't know what the game's going to do. I think, but I go back to my Tom Murray, who's an ethicist who I've worked with over the years, who always says, "You reward what you value. You reward what you value." And until you decide that we're going to shift it culturally, like like Theo Epstein said, like, "Hey, you want to you want less home runs? Move the fences back seventy five feet. That will get rid of home runs." So you just <laughs> You have to decide how important this is. And until it really, whatever, destroys the business or something, it's really hard to make the change because it's not just at the major league level. This is all the way down to Little League where the emphasis is on power, velocity, launch angles, home runs, and and, and we're kind of we're going to be stuck here for a little while. Well, we are. Um, I felt like we could have this conversation all day, but just amazing what you're saying. Just one, one other thing I want to get your reaction to, and then we'll, we'll bring in HUD. Uh, singles and doubles are disappearing, disappearing. Uh, we're on pace for 2,000 fewer singles than the last full season and 1,400 fewer doubles than the last full season. If you go back farther... It, it amounts to 6,000 singles that have disappeared and more than 2,000 doubles that have disappeared, assuming we keep going at this pace. And all right, so, so again, tell me how you're going to score by getting three singles in an inning off Justin Bieber. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. You're just not. They don't even try to play that game. They know that that's not feasible to Justin Verlander, you know, whoever. You're just not going to chain together these hits off these guys. Uh, and if you do hit another one on the ground, that's a double play ball. <laughs> so, so no, they, you know they they've kind of thrown the flag up, saying, "All right, well, we're going to score on home runs. We're going to try to walk, score on home runs, you know, and that's it. And that's that's the game. So they they need help. They, you know, we're we're getting to a Bob Gibson on the mound, lower the mound, Wilt Chamberlain standing under the basket, get the key out. You, we're we're starting to get there, and I know that discussions are there, but. We may be there, but this year is, you know, coming back from from last season with the 60-game schedule, you knew it was going to be wacky. But uh, this feels like it's this, a big cultural shift that we're stuck in now. Oh, we're stuck. And we have shifted. We really have. And so uh, it's going to be really intriguing to see where the sport goes from here because somebody's going to actively need to try to fix this. So, Doug, you know what this sport needs more of, man? It needs more Rex Hudlers. And I mean that in every possible way. So let's bring him in. It's the legendary Rex Hudler, everybody. Hud, welcome to Starkville, my friend. Oh, my gosh. I'm so thankful to be with you guys, especially from Hoffman Stadium in Kansas City, man, where the mighty Royals, the first place Royals, by the way, are hanging. Thank you so much, Dougie. Yeah, it's been a long time. Great to see you, buddy. Yeah, man, it is. It's great to see you. I know we've run into each other here and there, but not enough, man. So it's going to be great to catch up with you. Thank you, buddy. Be here. 
uh, you know, HUD, I have so many stories that I love of yours. We're going to give you a chance to tell <laughs> some of them anyway. But first, you mentioned this. You call Royals games for Bally Sports Kansas City. And HUD, your Royals are in first place. So tell us what you see in the 2020 Royals that's different from what we've seen before. You mean the 2021 Royals or the 2020 Royals? Whatever, whatever year this is, 2021 <laughs> Royals, that's what I said. I hope we never see another 2020 again, ever. That was brutal. You uh, can't play baseball without the fans. Dougie, last year, Mike Matheny's a new manager here. And, uh, you, you know, he he's a solid man. He's a four-time Gold Glover, first of all. So there's a lot of respect that goes around the game for this guy. And number two, he used the pandemic with the Zooms that we're on like this and uh, talking to his players, calling each one of them individual, spending hours with them, talking about their life. You know, he took advantage of that situation and, you know, he knows the X's and O's. He had a winning record as a Cardinal manager. He took his team to the World Series, you know, and here's with no coaching or managing experience. He's a leader. Okay, so now this year, what he did last year for the team was his personality, but he built the bullpen. They had some hot shot arms. And then, and now this year they're all formulating. He went out and got Greg Holland and Wade Davis, a couple of old faces from the World Championship days. You know, may not be quite as good as they were then, but they're helping a lot. They still got 95 in their arm, and they still can pitch. So he's mixing those guys with these young kids, Stamon, 98 to 100, a kid named Jake Prince, yeah. a left-hander, 98 to 100. Uh, they got a kid that, that, that they many remind him of. of uh, uh, Jeff Montgomery, the all-time save leaders here. Uh, his his name is uh, uh, <laughs> yeah Zimmer Zimmer and Barlow. Yeah, yeah those uh, two. Barlow Barlow's a bad dude too, Dougie. Uh, <laughs> they are nasty. Yeah, yeah it's a uh, that's because the pin has been rebuilt. The pin is looking good. And Dayton Moore asked his owner John Sherman, new owner, keep in mind, before the pandemic, said. We want to contend. The only way we can contend is we got to get some players. So the owner gave him five free agents to go out and get. So who does he get? Carlos Santana, first baseman, a guy who's been in the World Series. He goes out and gets Michael Taylor, an established player from, from the uh, Nationals that had been to a World Series. He had a home run in the World Series. He goes out and he gets uh, the kid, uh, Hanser Alberto, a, a guy who can play all the, around the infield spots, a leader, a, 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 a real energetic guy. And then we're thinking, who's going to replace the eight-time Gold Glover, Alex Gordon? So he he uh, makes a three-team trade. He'd already spent the owner's money with, with all of his created signings. And he plans 25-year-old Andrew Benintendi, a World Series champion. So you add all that winning to this team with already, you got Salvador Perez, who's a winner. Danny Duffy's pitching like he's never pitched before. Oh, yeah, amazing. He's an ace. You got... You got these other guys from the world, Draw Dyson, they signed him too to be our pinch runner. So there's just a lot of things fell into place in the offseason, and so far, so good. Uh, you know, they're, they've got so much more to go, but fans are happy around here because they're seeing a pretty good team. Yeah, you know, the thing to me that's so fun and so interesting about the Royals is they're, they're like a team that we dug up out of a time capsule. You know, they lead the league in stolen bases. Like, of course they do. But they've stolen more bases than 25 teams have even attempted. You know, they're the one team in the whole sport that's not 
built around the long ball. So, HUD, can this work in the year 2021? It worked in 15 and 14. We were, we were mm -hmm. uh, first in least amount of strikeouts, last in home runs, first in steel. And, you know, even back then, they didn't have the numbers in, in, in the uh, analytic world like they have them now. Uh, now there's contact rate. We would have led the league in contact rate. That's what we do now. We're, we're uh, second hardest to strike out. So they're putting the ball in play, and they're leading the team in steals, and we don't even have Alberto Mondesi. Mm -hmm. We've missed him the whole year, and he'll steal six bases in one week. I mean, this kid's a freak. Dougie, Dougie, he's a freak, man. If I could come back and be a player, I'd want his ability. <laughs> he's a switch hitter with power. He can, he barrels balls. He's got great range. He's got all cannon. Matter of fact, I'm watching him right now taking ground balls because he's cleared and he's getting ready to join this team again, which is only going to make them stronger. So we are going to be really excited here. Um, I think it can be done again. If you have a bullpen, you got guys who got a little firepower. We have more power than we did in 14 and 15 when we went to the World Series back-to-back -back years. There's more power in this lineup. Santana's carrying the team. Salvador could be an MVP this year. That's the kind of year he's having. So this is this is a better team. It's a better built team than it was in the back-to-back -back years. So we'll see how it all unfolds and what kind of injuries uh, they can stay away from. But uh, in the meantime, it's fun to be up here, sitting. Yeah, and you got your secret weapon coming at some point, Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah, yeah we talked yep. about what's down there. Outside, who's making <laughs> yep. our debut today? Young man, Daniel Lynch, a left-handed, not Randy Johnson. Dougie, no, not the unit, but he's pretty close. <laughs> Scary, man. I mean, what, what do you make of it, HUD, with all this? Like, you mentioned the firepower and the velocity. I mean, what, what do you see, given your experience in the game, when you look at all these rotations and just how pitching is being used? I'm seeing swing and misses, man. I'm seeing so many of that. When you mentioned power on power, no wonder the strikeouts are up and the pitching's dominant again. Um you know, I know they want – I think that players maybe uh, should be rewarded for contact and put the ball in play. I think there should be some kind of new deal for that that they can be rewarded. Try to, what do you got in mind there? Well, just make the game more exciting for people to watch because strikeouts – homers, sure, the homer's nice, but, but it's, it's strikeout, strikeout, homer, homer, strikeout, walk, you know. So um, they got to do well, something. Well, what you, how would you reward them? You're a man with good ideas. Let's go. With cake, with money, make it, make it, make it you a certain bonus. If you put the ball in the hole this many times, or if you, or if you can make some contact on the ground, hit run situations, small ball situations, somehow they you're compensated for that more than than just a, a flat out rate of a you know a regular contact homers and you know OPS and all that just slugging and things like that. They could make another column in there somewhere. Mm, I like it. I like it. Well, maybe, uh, well, we were talking at one point, we had Theo Epstein on earlier uh, this year, and we were talking about this sort of idea of rewarding what you value, right? You talk about uh, batting average. It, it's sort of, it's taken a lot of hits lately because of the on-base percentage, you know, wave and understanding of getting on base. But there is always something about the skill with the bat. Right, just your ability to put the bat on the ball. Whether you're like a Carlos Baerga who can hit it bouncing, or Vladimir Guerrero, uh, what what do you see? You know, going around the league, anybody who kind of reminds you of that 
flavor where you actually can have a Paul Molitor type player? Well, we haven't been totally around the league yet this year. It's early, but I'll tell you, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is nothing like his dad. He has mm-hmm. discipline. He's got play discipline. He, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say he's going to be better than his dad, but he's more selective. You know, and the reason that Vladimir Guerrero Sr. was such a free swinger is that he was raised playing plate ball. They had a home plate, I mean, a, a license plate. They would fold in half and they would put it on the ground. And the job for the pitcher was to hit that plate. And the hitter has to hit the ball off the ground. So that's why Vladdy was such a free swinger and he could hit anything because he was trained that way as a kid. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer in how do you train your minor leaguers? How do you, how do you value? Billy Martin used to take us out in the outfield and spring train New York Yankees, spread them out the outfield and play pepper, start the day. Before we even stretched, it was little things that were important to managers. You know, the little things that you can do, you know, and, and having to, uh, this is the way the game, the fabric of the game has been, you, you know, pitching, great defense, timely hits. That's the formula, and it's still the formula. Okay, you have to catch the ball. But there's other ways to score runs. The Dodgers, for the last four or five, four years, when they were in postseason, they could never advance and win the big one because they all hit home runs. It was a home run team. They didn't know how to score a runner from third with less than two. Until last year, they hired a guy named Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. They played small ball. They moved runners. Remember the World Championship, that short little mm-hmm. season there? Mm-hmm. They moved some guys over. They scored on some infield hits. That was the, mm-hmm. one of the big reasons they won. You have to have that in baseball. The Royals are the same way. The running Royals, call them what you want. The New York Mets, they had five pitchers on their staff in 15. Syndergaard, the, the Black Knight, um, who else? And all through 95. To Grom. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, they all threw 95. They all threw hard. And, and, and so the media was telling me when I was doing interviews with them, and they're going, oh, man, we got guys that throw 95. I said, well, we got guys that feast on 95. We put the ball in play. We shorten our swings. We're not swinging hard. They throw hard. We swing less. And there's a key to that. It pressures defense. If you have any speed, it pressures your, the defense. The defense makes an error. That's a rally. Watch out. Hi, you know, the league average right now is 232. So if you and Glanville had been hitting 232 in Philadelphia back in the day, how do you think the people in the seats in Philly would have enjoyed that? (laughs) Hey, if you want to bring up Philly and you want to bring up their fans, I have a love story for you. Now, now Dougie Glanville got there my second year, and and I didn't last two months in my second year. But I do remember both opening days, the two years I was there, one well, year and a half, was was 97 and 98. I had just come off my best season ever. Uh, you know, maybe it was because uh, Jennifer was carrying my son, Kate. I don't know. I mean, every hit fell. Dougie, I never had a season like that. Never. Everything off my bat fell. And I'd come home, and, and Jennifer would go, honey, how'd you do it? I'd go, I, I got three hits tonight, and you couldn't have put them all together to reach out of the infield. <laughs> so, so anyway, I was blessed. Had a good year. I Terry Francona, new manager, wanted a veteran leader, hired me. So I come in. I uh, wanted to be too good. I, I, it was the first time I ever got a big contract. I'm 35 years old. So I I, uh, 
overtrained in the winter. I was on this treadmill, high speed treadmill, running 21 miles an hour. So I blew my hammy. And when I did, I knew that was it. Because Dougie, I, you could run too. I never had any leg hamstring problems in my entire long career. Never. And so I knew this was going to be trouble. So I rehabbed it back just in time. And, uh, you know, we started on the West Coast. And then uh, opening day um, in, in the, at the vet, I, I came out of the box. I got my first hit of the year. I was 0 for 12. And I get my first hit as a jam shot over the shortstop. And, you know, the turf at, at the vet was a little bit worn. And and I took out of that box going for two because I could I could still run. And, 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 and so I went, bam, the other side went. I felt the other hammy. Oh. <laughs> so I got on oh, first base. I went. I made it to second, and and, and uh, Vukovic, the third base coach, he's looking at me. He knew I was hurt. He's going, "Get out of here!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I had to come off the field. Sixty-seven thousand Philadelphia fans, and I was one of their top free agents. Just let me have it. Oh yeah. <laughs> never been. I'd never been booed like that before, ever. By 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 my by anybody let alone 67,000. Now, Dougie, the roar of 67,000 for you is something you never forget either. That's a that's a great thing. But a boo is really <laughs> And uh, it took me a while to recover from that. But then the next year, I had a chance to knock in some runs with, with the bases loaded, and I struck out, and I got booed again in opening day. Two opening days now in a row, back to back here. Oh, no. Dougie, Dougie, you picked me up, and you got the game-winning hit. With the bases yeah, loaded, Doug, so you remember that, right? Your first, that was your first opening day in Philly. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, you know, I definitely was struggling. I, I told the story of how I was, uh, you know, my my senior thesis was designing a stadium at 30th Street Station in Philly, and some fan had done the research and knew about this paper and the stadium I was planning to build. And uh, when I started off really slowly, he asked me if I could design a stadium I could hit in. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> So that was a Philly faithful in there. Uh, of course, I remember. You know, I don't, was it the same year? Or JD Drew, were you there for that? Yeah. Or was that the next year when they? Were, so I go out to the outfield. Of course, JD had dodged the Phillies and ended up with the Cardinals, and we play Drew and and of course I'm going out to the outfield after he comes in and I find there's batteries, there's chicken wings, there's like I mean I don't know what they were throwing at this guy. <laughs> so. so so the Phillies, yeah, don't don't play with them. But uh, it comes a time, Hud. I know I I blew out my hamstring just running down the first base line. So I I avoided it my whole career. But uh, the first time I got to the minor leagues, I used to wear those leg wraps yeah. because I just I got kind of used to them. And, and I remember you remember Dick Cummings. Yeah. He was the the trainer. And Dick Cummings like, look, you got to break that dependency. You got to build the strength. You're just you, these wraps are just gonna catch up to you. And that was a great early on lesson and never really had problems, uh, you know, until really late in my career. So that was a, a big difference because speed, speed was the game. Oh, that, man. That was too bad we didn't get more time, but I was at the end. Um, you know, had my hammies not bothered me, I might have could have played a little longer. But you know what, though? The, the, uh, the, tug, in, the, the tug in my heart was, was coming, you know, and I could feel God say, t- taking me in a different direction. Okay, Hud, you know, you, you, you've been here a long time, and you haven't really been that good to get 10 years in, but I helped you. <laughs> so, yeah. so I didn't know that broadcasting was going to be a big part of it, Doug. And how about you? Did you know you were going to be a broadcaster? No, no idea. But, you know, I, it, it's partly because of the Jason Starks of the world, you know, really. I mean, I, um, yeah, I went to college in Philadelphia. I read his column uh, all the time. And um, 
And I think when I played, I realized very quickly that I had every bit of a connection to the to the press and the media as I did the players. I mean, I just loved the game. I loved to talk about the game. And then here you have like a walking library and Jason Stark and many others that just frame the history of the game. So I, and, and as, as I got older, I always appreciated remembering those days. You know, think about the coaches we had coming up. And I was like, wow, you know, I remember catching Steve Carlton on a, 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 he threw out the first pitch one day. And just being around these players I loved as a kid, it became more important to learn their stories. And, and it was fascinating to know that, you, you know, it's just to read about it, you got all these stories you didn't even know about. Yeah, I knew about Mike Schmidt, 1980 Phillies, but I didn't know all these details behind it. So I, I just started to love expressing these ideas about the game and writing was something my dad did really. He was a poet when in his sort of spare time. And I really found this connection to my dad by writing. So when I put pen to paper on the very first article I wrote about the Mitchell Report in the steroid era, that was the moment that I realized that this is not just me, you know, spewing to people. This is very reciprocal and it's coming back to me. And and that's how it kind of went down, man. So I didn't expect it. I didn't plan for it. But uh, thankful it happened. Oh, man, that's beautiful, bud. Yeah, you know, the writers, and I, 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 I love the writers. On the road, we would go to the hotel bar and have a beer after a game. And I thought that was outstanding. But those guys would... Would, would hang in there and would socialize with me, you know, and, and, and talk. And then and then getting to Philly, um, getting to the ballpark, uh, you know, they'd be interviewing Schilling. There'd be 40 guys there. I mean, it was a big media market in the city for sure. I mean, I played in New York. I, kinda, I, I played for the Yankees, so I knew what the what the media was like. But uh, when uh, uh, they'd be all over next to Schilling, and, you know, I didn't play all that much. And I, I'd raise my hand on the other side of the locker room and go, hey, man, I'm, I'm over here. Let's go. Come on. And they would look. I remember I remember a uh, uh, Stark, uh, not, not Starky, uh, I remember uh, Booker. Uh, uh, Brookover. 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 Bob yeah, Brookover, yeah. He had his pin in his notepad, and he, and, he, and he looked over. He looked over at me and he's like. <laughs> and I would crack up. So, you know, at that, at that point in my career, you know, I was at the end and it was fun. I really enjoyed it. Hey, uh, Doug, you like mentoring a, a young Scott Rowland. Being there to watch that kid yeah. play was just worth the ticket. And <laughs> I was so thrilled. You know, there was some yeah, there was some good, good guys, some, some rough guys. You know, as Dykstra was done, uh, uh, Mickey Morandini was still there, you know, Dutch Dalton. I'm so glad that I wasn't able, I mean, I mean, I was not glad that I wasn't able to perform. But because I couldn't, and they wanted me to play some right field, um, they moved Dutchy to right field to play some to play some right because I couldn't play. They needed a right fielder. He played deep, you know, so so he didn't have to, you know, expose his his uh, running ability. But the Marlins took him in a trade, and he won a ring. Yes, he did. I feel a small part of that, and for that. I look for the. I, I, I rejoice because I love Dutch Dalton and everything about him. Uh, you know, Doug, we all know that Rex Huther is a living legend. I want to tell you, it's now official. Do you know that you can ask Alexa to tell you a classic Rex Huther quote and she'll do it? Like, so I, I did that today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so I, I did this today. I want you to hear this actually is a thing. Let's hear it. 
Alexa, tell me a new quote from Uncle HUD. A peanut is not a space shuttle. HUD, that's not What's a real good on? impression of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to change the accent. <laughs> that, she didn't sound just like you, don't you? Like, we got to do some work with Alexa, don't you think? Now, now I know who she is. I mean, now, I'm going to have to talk and chat with her. Yes, yeah, so, right. So you've never done this. You've never asked Alexa? No, never. It's the first I've ever heard of. Oh, this is an awesome. Whoa. This is an awesome breakthrough moment, Doug. This this is a moment. Alexa. Alexa Wait. does a Rex Hudler impression. Oh my goodness. That's beautiful. Pilot to bombardier, pilot to bombardier. <laughs> That's my Rex Hudler. <laughs> Open up those bombay doors. Oh, oh, you guys are going to really special. I'm just so grateful. Hey, I never really, the greatest thing ever, though, in Philly was revolved around the fans. I got to tell you. So we had a little boy, uh, just had him before we joined the Phillies, Dougie. And uh, he he was my first sports son. And I had expectations of him being a big leaguer and and all that, all that, you know, dads do and, uh, and, and their dreams and stuff. Uh, but but he had an extra chromosome he was born with, so that that slowed everything down. And the world calls it Down syndrome. So we had a little boy. We came from the Phillies, a brand new infant, little boy. And uh, I told uh, I told uh, um, um, Jim Salisbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, uh, my, some of the names were slipping by. So so we, we he, I do. He does a great article. Writes writes a great article in the in the Enquirer about me and my son. And. Uh, um, so I got buckets of fan mail from the people, mail that, that encouraged me and said congratulations, stuff I hadn't heard from my friends because they weren't sure what to tell you or what to say whenever you tell, you know, hey, I had a little boy. Yeah, really? How is he? Well, he's great. He, he just has Down syndrome. We didn't order him like that. And so she's, uh, 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 the fans were going, here's my, here's a picture of my kid. And, and, and this is going to be oh, fantastic. Congratulations. My boy graduated from high school. Yours will too letter after letter after letter so it warmed my heart it lifted my spirits i went home to jennifer and she showed her some of these letters and said honey you know kate came to the right place he's gonna this has been a, a wonderful opportunity for us to come here and share with, with him because she wasn't sure how the fans were going to take that me me telling uh stake my story you know uh, salisbury and, and so she was a little concerned about that but it was overwhelming nothing but positive i'm opening the mail in the locker room Dougie, and I'm weeping. I'm not out. I'm not. I'm not woofing. I'm not going. <laughs> I was just. I was weeping. And there's a couple of my teammates watching me. Because I, I looked at him. I go, Oh, hey, fellas. You know, I know I'm new here. I, I, I don't want to bring anybody down or the locker room down. And Darren Dalton goes, Hud, you're one of us. We love you. You're our teammate, man. What you, what you and your wife are going through is real, and so are we. And you, we got your back. I mean, just the whole city during that time in my life where I needed I needed love, I needed some support, they gave it to me. That I'll never forget. I love Philly for that. And hey, this is the essence of Rex Hudler, is that to the rest of the world, this is Down syndrome. To Rex Hudler, it's Up syndrome. But I've never forgotten that. Starkey, they're so beautiful. They have so much to, to, uh, to add to, to society in our community. There's a reason that they're here. And, and let me tell you, when you can embrace the differences that these young people have and adults have, um, you embrace those differences, it, it, it's all win for you and whoever, your family or whoever's with you, uh, people you're around. Um, so there's just so much life 
to them and so much happiness. And who, raise your hand if you can't, if you would like some unconditional love. <laughs> unconditional raise it. love, man. That's how he sees me. Every day I'm his hero. He's like, daddy, daddy. You know, and he's 24 now. My, when they were little, I used to love that. Doug, remember, you know, Starkey, you can you remember when the kids were little, they'd come running to their dad. Well, he's 24 <laughs> years old, and he still comes running to his dad. <laughs> so it never gets old. He's a, a blessing uh, in our life for sure, Starkey and Dougie. But uh, I just want to say thank you to let me share a little bit about him. Yeah, that's beautiful. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As I said, you, you have so many incredible stories that I love. I, I want to make sure you get a chance to tell some of them. Can we start with a game that I was at and you were at? It was the Ripken game. It's the game in 1995 where Cal Ripken Jr. broke Lou Gehrig's Ironman record. The last out mm. in the fifth inning Amazing. when the game became official was a line drive into your glove right so tell us what you did with that baseball i bet you still have it dougie where were you when that happened wow all right give me the give september me the calendar of 95 september of 95 yeah yeah so i wasn't i wasn't quite i i wasn't up yet i got called up in june of 96 i played in iowa that year i, I assume the season was probably over so i was just kind of watching it yeah and now you, you knew mark smith did you know yeah. mark smith yeah, so Smitty was my teammate in Cape Cod. So I remember later just getting the stories from him and all the pictures and everything. So that was my kind of direct connection. It was yeah. an amazing time in the history of baseball. And in sept- I mean, in, in early in the season in April, when, when, I, when I looked at the schedule, our schedule, I saw we were playing Baltimore. And then I read an, an article that said, if, if no games are rained out and nothing's going on, um, you know, no, no, no suspended games or anything, the Angels will be the team who plays the Orioles. So in April, I was like, what? Oh, my gosh, that would be phenomenal. But that's six months from now, so far ahead. But I went to the traveling secretary, and I told him, hey, I need I need four rooms in Baltimore for September. And he goes, that's five months away. What are you doing? Kid? What do you <laughs> I said, look, I, I, we're going to have a family reunion. I didn't want to tell him. I said, hey, this, I want, I want the room. So we get close to the day, and, and the traveling secretary comes to me and goes, hey, Hud, there's no rooms in Baltimore. We can you sell your room to some of some of uh, some of our guys? I go no. I told you six months ago I wanted more room. <laughs> so I had I invited my friends to come, my family, anybody who would be a part to be a part of history. Now I had no idea that I would be in the lineup. Marcel Lastman was my manager, and I hit only left-handed uh, pitchers at that time in my career. I was a platoon guy, and so they didn't have any lefties going. 
my name was in the lineup. I had to check, <laughs> I had to check my shorts, man. When I went, I went. Oh my gosh, look at this! I'm in the lineup. So this was the this was the Friday before, and but the crowd was still there. Okay, this is when he ties the record. But the next day, when he goes ahead in the record, I'm in the lineup again. I couldn't. <laughs> my manager gave me the greatest gift. So the highlight of my 21 year professional baseball career was that moment. Being in a historical game of that magnitude was overwhelming. Now I was 0 for 8 in the series. Um, I would, <laughs> no big deal. It had nothing to do with me, Dougie. You know what? You know, it was all about being in the moment. And so I remember the, the, the game he broke it. The baseballs were stitched were stitched in uh, orange. Okay, they were orange stitching, and the, and they had a stamp on the ball that, that had number eight, and it was beautifully done. Major League Baseball was ready for the moment. And so I come up to home plate. I Larry Young, the most senior umpire at that time, got the home plate because this game was like a, a sacred game. And I go, Larry, can I have a ball? <clears throat> he goes, No, Hud. They're all counted. You, you you can't have it. You can only get a foul ball or catch a, a third out. And so I'm going, oh, that's not good. So so <laughs> playing second base, and uh, there's a fly ball goes up early in the game in in, in uh, shallow right. Dougie, what's this sign mean if an infielder? <laughs> yeah. Clear out. What? I got it. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, and so Tim Salmon comes and calls me off, and he catches the third out, and we were running in together, and I'm calling him all kinds of names. Him, Didn't you see I had that ball? That was mine. And he's and he's running in, he's running in, smiling, going, "You'll get one out." And he had his souvenir. He had his Cal Ripken souvenir. So I'm standing out there on the field when Cal does his victory lap. He does his victory lap, and I'm watching him in an amazing moment, and I'm watching him. And by the time he gets down by the dugout, he's taking pictures with, with our, our team in the dugout. And I'm saying, that's not fair. That's usually where I am. And I'm, you know, I'm on the field. So he, ah, it's too late. I wanted to run in the dugout. I mean, I was just so but, but I didn't. I didn't want to make a spectacle. So, so I, I looked down, and I was standing on the mound. I was like, whoa, I was in a dream. When Cal was doing his victory lap, it was a dream. And so I go, man, I better, I better get back to my position. So that inning comes up, uh, the, the, the letting, uh, game's official. I go back to second base, and <clears throat> ball four. Ball four, bases are loaded. Uh, Rafael Palmero is coming to second base, and he looks at me, and he goes, Hud, isn't it amazing? The baseball gods are here. Cal's coming up with the bases loaded in the fifth inning. The streak's efficient. So I'm going, yeah, it is. And I walk back up to my position and I ask God, have him hit it to me, please, God. Have him hit it to me. Seriously. I go back to my position. First pitch, a jam shot off of his fist. And, it, and uh, Starkey, it wasn't a liner. It was a little flare. It was kind of a flare. So, so I took off. I took off and I, and I see it. And it was like a carrot diamond. It was just a floating. Sparkling. I'm, I'm going to break my neck. I don't care what I do. I'm going to break my neck if I have to catch the ball. I run, and I caught it on the dead run. And when I caught it on the dead run, Dougie, I couldn't believe it. He hit me, and I got my souvenir. So I went like this. And, and the crowd at Canyon Yard booed me, too. So they booed because they thought I was showing him up, and they didn't know. I was like a fan. I was just a kid, and I was so happy I got the souvenir. So I had the ball. I hadn't hadn't seen Cal for a, a little while after that. 
97 comes. Good Morning America gave me my start in, 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 uh, in television, which corresponding with Charles Gibson. I mean, really? <laughs> years in the minor leagues to be a big leaguer. And now in this business, I went right to the show. I mean, you can't get better than that. So I'm so uh, they're following me around for the playoffs. And uh, the, the Orioles are in it with the Cleveland Indians. And we're, uh, we're uh, batting practice is taken. And it's an off day. And there's 25, 35, 45 media people in back of the cage. And I'm standing back there. You know, our, our season's over um, with, with the Angels. I'm standing back there. And Cal sees me. You know, when you're taking BP, Doug, Cal, when, when one guy's hitting, you got time to just sit there for a minute and look around. Cal was looking around and he sees me and, he, and he's going, he's mouthing because we're 30, 40 feet away. He's going, what are you doing here? And, and, I, and I raised my mic flag, ABC on my mic flag. And I go, I go, Wait. I said, I want to talk to you. And he goes, <laughs> no. no way. He's messing with me. BP's over. And, and here come, and the cameras are behind me. See, these they would film little snippets, and then we would show it live in the morning on, on Good Morning America. So they had the camera rolling. Here comes Cal. Cal comes walking up, and, and, and all these other reporters are trying to get him to say something. Stop! And he walks through everyone, and he comes right to me, and he and he looks at my, he grabs my pass. It's around my neck. He grabs my pass, and he goes, "I said, Cal." I got this ball that I caught in your game in the fifth inning, and I've been waiting for you to sign it for a long time. Would you Would you please sign it? He grabs my pass and goes, Hud, you stepped out of bounds. No autographs allowed, it says on this pass here. <laughs> he put it down and walked away. And I looked at the camera and I went, what? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm going to cry. You know, so anyway, they use that kind of stuff. That's, that's what they did. Uh, but but signed it later, and he signed it. He signed it. Two hud, nice catch. Must have been right at you. <laughs> I love Cal. Cal. Oh, oh my god! After that game, he sent a uh, signed bat over to me, Dougie. Cal Ripken did. Yeah, I mean, one game, hud. Wait, I mean, wait, wait, it was wait, wait, crazy. Wait, wait, wait. Before we before we yeah. get off this, now, what what's the deal with the ball? Do you still have the ball? Yeah, yes. So that's I true. have a bat collection. Then I, I started when I was a young player in the American League, and I played five in American, five in the National. And so I collected bats. And so I had his in the ball, the bat that he signed me on, on that night when he broke Luke Garrett's record, dated and everything. <clears throat> it says on the bat, Bud, I feel like you feel when you strike out with the bases loaded, visibly shaken and at this, <laughs> this particular moment. Um, I, 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 uh, Glad you were there playing hard as ever. Cal Ripken, September 5th, 19th you know, the date. So I put that in the ball in its own case uh, with a picture of me and Cal in it. And in one of the uh, one of the uh, programs that they were selling at the ballpark that night. Okay, that's I feel like it, there's, there's... It's got its own section. It's got its own little... That, little that, yeah. That's oh, yeah. pretty cool. But I feel like there's, there's some other... Like something happened to the ball afterwards? Yes. My daughter... I had a ball. I had a bag full of baseballs. My daughter's two years old, and, uh, and there was three or four balls in there. A couple signed balls from some guys, and I had it on my coffee table. And there was a sharpie inside the. the uh, <laughs> oh no! She took the she took the Cal Ripken ball, the most the most treasured baseball in my life, and she scribbled on it. Oh. <laughs> So Did she, like, gave, black out the name? When I gave it to Cal to sign, he goes, oh, looks like somebody else signed it, Doug. 
know, and uh, HUD, like you played with so much joy, you had so much fun, and you were a prankster. One, like one more story of yours that I would love for you to tell. Yeah, it involved your old trainer in St. Louis. Was it Gene Gieselman? Gene Gieselman. Weaselman. Right? Now, I'm not sure who pranked who in this story, but is there any way to tell a, a version of the story that does not go on for 20 minutes? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I have problems with that. Yeah. So, um, you know, we had a lot of fun. I always had fun, no matter where. That clubhouse was always a good time. Um, so, um, hey, we go on a road trip. Oh, we go we go to Montreal. Remember, Doug, in Montreal, you had to take your luggage off the off the thing yourself and carry it through customs. Yeah. I got Gieselman's bag and I took his bag with me. And and he's in there. We're on the bus and he's in there waiting for the bag. <laughs> there goes he's, he's going around he's all by himself and we're going, Come on, Gieselman, let's go, get on the bus. We want to go. Okay, so so we keep it I keep it with me. Okay, we get to the hotel. And I and, and I, I called the bellman. I said, "Hey, take this up to this guy's room right here." Okay, not thinking that I should have told him. Don't you tell the guy where you got it from. I didn't say that. <laughs> so delivers the guy the new the the uh, this, the luggage went to Gieselman. He gives it the luggage to him. Gieselman goes, "Who who was it? Who was the guy? <laughs> uh, some redhead guy. Oh, that was it. We only had one redhead on the team." So that was it. So now he's like, oh, okay. So I'm thinking, you know, nothing's going to happen. Gieselman orders, we get home. Gieselman orders a trucking company to come and dump eight tons of, of dirt in my driveway. <laughs> at home. Eight tons. Eight tons. Dougie, me and Jennifer pull up to my house and I saw a mountain of, of, of dirt in my driveway. I'm going, uh oh. Fortunately, my neighbor had taken the name of the of the company, the name of his truck, and had the name of his truck. So I asked, him, "Man, what the heck? What? You know?" So I, I call the company. The company says the company. The company goes, "Yeah, the, the same address. I gave you the same address." Hey, okay. So so uh, what about um, hey? You have the wrong place. Somebody played a, 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 a prank on me. Can you come pick it up? They said, no, we only dump it. We don't pick it up. <laughs> I can't. I can't. What am I going to do? So I, I'll pay you to come to come and uh, pick it up. But here's the deal. There's somebody who somebody did that to me. And I want you to call that person. Okay. Because that guy goes, you know, one of our drivers got injured in that delivery. If he would have got injured. Someone will have been liable. So this guy, you're saying somebody played a joke on you? I go, yeah. Here's his name. Here's his number. And I want you to call him back. And I want you to tell him, hey, look, uh, we know we found out what happened. And you're being held accountable for this. And, and so I had him tape the conversation on the phone. Oh, my goodness. Here's Kieselman. Kieselman oh. thinks he got me. He thinks he got me. And then I, I have the guy. So I end up getting him. So he, oh, beautiful. Gieselman had to pay for them to pick it up off my driveway. And, and oh, very threatened, nice. Threatened a lawsuit. I told him, threatened to sue him. And so I get the phone, and Gieselman, he's some shade of green. He's like, he goes, he goes hey, what, did you get your sand? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get your call? He didn't want to talk about it. He goes, <laughs> so, so oh, my that's goodness. That's as extreme as it gets, that's... man. That was fun, though, man. They, oh, that, yeah. That's still forever. I guess I'd just be curious about what what was your moment where you kind of said, 
this is it. Like, and what was that like when you kind of said, all right, I got to step out of this fraternity. What was that? Phil, um, Phil, how'd you know? Uh, I went in the day after my 10 year anniversary in major league baseball, my 10 year day, my, my birthday. I told Tito, Hey Tito, um, I'm a fulfilled ball player today, man. Thank you for the two year deal you gave me. I appreciate that. But you know what? I got my 10 years in yesterday. I wasn't going to come in yesterday, but I'll tell you today, thank you for having me, man. And thank you for that. And, uh, I'm a fulfilled ball player. You can do with me what you want. You could trade me for a couple of cases of balls. You can uh, send me back to the minor leagues down there. I'll work off my money and work with those young players, or you can release me, whatever. And I said, and, and he goes, wow, Hood, I didn't know what I was going to do with you. Because, you know, I was 37, 38 years old. And they were rebuilding. You know, and he, he goes, I, I got a lot of respect for you. I didn't know what I was going to do. I said, you can do anything you want. And I, and I took my jersey off. I took my jersey off, and I walked over, and I gave it to him. And I said, Tito, when you give this to the next young punk, tell him he could never take it from me. I'm giving it to him. And I walked nice. out. I walked out. It was awesome. Awesome. Man. And uh, awesome. such a great feeling. So I get home and Jennifer goes, well, do you have it out of your system? And I go, what do you mean? Do you have baseball out of your system? I got to live with you the rest of your life. I don't want to put up with you if you, if you feel like you got <laughs> something left. And, and so the Philadelphia uh, or the St. Louis Cardinals called again and the Cleveland Indians called said, hey, Hug, we know you can hit lefties. We're going to go to the playoffs, and we're going to face uh, a lot of those uh, Pettit and Wells and those guys. We know you can hit lefties. And I, and I said uh, to my wife, honey, it's nice to be wanted. Let me try one more shot. And so I went, went down to uh, Buffalo, New York, and uh, you know John Hart was the GM there. And uh, I was totally overmatched. I couldn't believe it. My speed was still good. I could run and everything, uh, but, but I was just overmatched. I couldn't hit a lick. And so – I remember one night, it was about 15 games. I called home, honey, honey, man, it's time. I think it's time, man. She goes, don't, just because you're hitting 150, don't tuck your tail. <laughs> you stay there, you, you you play it out. Okay, I stayed another week, and a fan yelled one, one time in a game, a fan yells, yo, Hudler, the hustle's great, but show us some numbers, you suck. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I always love the fans. I, I, should, I agree with the guy. Okay. And then Buddy Black was the pitching coach. For the, for the Buffalo Bisons. And I said, Blackie, what was it like when you retired? He goes, Hud, I was 38 years old, 37. I couldn't get nobody out. And the hitters let me know it was time to retire. So I was going through the same thing. It was time. I said, thank you. Jeff Datz was a skipper. I went in after the game. I said, Datsy, I'm sorry I'm taking a spot up from one of your young guys. And it's time for me to go home. And he goes, Hud, we were going to bring you up in September anyway. It didn't matter what you did. I said, yeah, no, it ain't about time for me anymore. I got my 10 years in. Um, I'd like to play one more game. Tomorrow's a day game, and I love day game baseball. I'd like to end, end my career playing. Can I lead off and play second base? He goes, yeah, Hud. And I, can, I, can I address your team? I want to address the boys in the morning. Okay. So I went home. I called Jennifer and said, honey, I'm coming home. See you later. And I went to the ballpark, and I dreamed that night I was going to have a great game. Well, it, I went out the way I came in, very humbly, very, very humbly. So uh, I went and talked to the players. I said, hey, guys, it's my last day in 21 years, and I want to tell you what a blessing it's been. Let me share with you a little bit about what not to do, what held me back, what what kept me out of the out of the majors for 10 years in the minors. And now I'll tell you, you know, some other things, too. So we, I, I kind of knew Rocky them. We had a lot of fun. We went out. We blew the team out 18 to 1. But here was the game. My first time up, I struck out. <coughs> I walked back to the dugout, and I said, you made the right decision, but you suck. So I walk right next time. Next time I got a base at the left field, I'm not stopping. Why would I stop? Why would I stop? 
I'm going to keep going. I just kept going. I hooked slid into second base. I was safe. The umpire called me out. I beat it. But that's okay. I jumped up. I ran off the field. And my teammates were cheering for me, man, because they knew it was my last game. No one else did. Oh, but I did go on the Jim Rome show that morning and told him the hug was done. Yeah. I, I, so I did make an announcement there. But uh, who cares? So now my third time comes up, and I never got hit in the head, Dougie, in 21 years. Never got hit in the head. <laughs> oh, no. Never. Did you ever get hit? Did you ever get dumb? Only once, Frank Viola, oh. when he was making his comeback. Oh. But I, I was diving. Though. I was, I was diving for that changeup away. He threw a fastball in. I couldn't get out of the way. Okay. So he, uh, he stepped off the mound and pointed at me, kind of apologized, and I actually pointed to myself. I said, actually, it's my fault. I, st- I was cheating on the changeup and I couldn't get out of the way. So, Doc so Doc it was cool. Former teammate of mine in Philly, hits me. I see the ball coming right here. I see it coming. I turn. Hits me right in the neck. <laughs> I get necked. Okay, I never, I never oh would, gosh. I would never give the pitcher the satisfaction that he hurt me because I was a tough guy, and so I just put my hands on my knees and I looked at home plate, and I heard God's voice say louder than ever, "I told you to leave last night. <laughs> <laughs> you took it upon yourself to have one more game." And I go, and I, and I raised my head up, and uh, Dats came over to the manager and he's going, "Oh, he's going, oh my gosh, Hunter, you okay?" I go, yeah, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Step aside. Let me stay in the game. So I stayed in the game until my next time to uh, to get a hit or to hit. And uh, and I go, no, that's how I want to end my, my career. So I ended my career getting hit in the neck. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I went away. And the next week, this is the next week. So God told me in my heart, honey, I got something else planned for you. You've got to get out. You've got to get out. So the week later, the Royals or the uh, Angels called and said, will you be our broadcaster? So that's how the end happened. And I said, I hope it wasn't oh, real long for you, but 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 uh, it's amazing awesome, uh, how how uh, humbling I went out being hit in the neck. Yeah, that's using your head, Hud. All right, one more story now uh, that just certifies what a legend you are, because you oh, are <laughs> right. You are such a positive person. Uh, my sister Karen. Uh, owns a couple of frame shops and galleries in the Philadelphia area. So one day, a year or so ago, she hands me a card that she sells in her shop. Uh, It's from a collection of inspirational sayings, and people actually buy these cards, right? So I look at it. Here's what it says. It says, be a fountain, not a drain, Rex Hudler. And that is you, man. You're on a card. Where, like, so where does that saying come from, and what does it say about you and the way you live every day? Wow, Starkey. Um, you know, my daughter one time followed one of the Kardashians, um, and it was one of the younger girls. And the younger girl on her on her Instagram or her social media said that she loved this quote from this guy, and she didn't know it. And, and, she, and, and my daughter goes, "Daddy." She held up your card. So I had heard that there was a card out there that said that. But you know what, Starkey, I, I shared that. Um, I remember, I think it maybe was in, with, when I was with the Angels or something. Somebody asked me, you know, what kind of what kind of person are you? Who, who are you? What are you? And I go, there's two kind of people in life. You either got, you're either a fountain or you got life coming out for others. If they can see that, you got life or you're a drain and you suck people down the drain. Okay, so you're two kind of people. But here's the deal. 
once you get sucked down the drain, and we all do, all of us get sucked down the drain. Even I, you know, we can't be up all the time. You can't stay down in there. You'll get covered up with the muck and the grime and the slime. You got to resurface. You got to resurface. So come back up and be a fountain again. So you have to have something to give other people. And I said, you either a fountain or a drain. Wow. So be a fountain, not a drain. That card is hanging on my bulletin board right over here. I can really? see it right you now. Have, you have it? I have it. You want me to send it to you? Yeah, it makes me feel so good. No, you don't have to send it. And stop calling me a legend. Dougie Glanville's a legend. All right. So I'll tell you what. We're going to let you go now. But you can keep talking. Like Just okay. pretend we're there. All right. Well, listen, man. You're, you're, you're still one of our heroes. Uh, please enjoy this ride in every ride, yeah, man. but come back and visit us here in Starkville, okay? Uh, oh, thank you so much, guys. Dougie uh, and Jason, thank you so much for making my day. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. Okay, it's that time again. It is time for listener trivia, our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. We actually have a little different twist on this week's question because, as always, we did invite our special guest trivia contestant, Larry Zwaro, to join us live. And you know what he said, Doug? He said no. 
He said, sorry, <laughs> I can't join you. Listen to this. He apparently thought it was a bigger priority to do his actual job, which is to teach America's youth. What do you think, Doug? Does Larry have his priorities straight? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that as coming from uh, as a child of teachers. Uh, my, my mom taught many years. My dad started off teaching in Trinidad and Tobago. So, uh, yeah, I think he's in, in good shape considering my children are still getting educated as we speak. So, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, we're in favor of education here in Starkville, just for the record. Even though Larry cannot join us live, he recorded his question and I think this gives us a whole new way to get these wrong. So I'm excited about it. Um, all right, what do you say, man? Let's get this over with. Uh, Larry, yeah. what is your Starkville trivia question? Hi, my name's Larry. And my question today is, name the five pitchers in Major League Baseball history who have thrown a no-hitter twice in one season. All right. That'll do it from Larry. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> so... Doug, we have to come up with five pitchers who pitched more than one no-hitter in a season. And just so you know, this does include postseason no-hitters. I know that because I asked for that clarification, got that clarification, and that helped a okay. lot because it gave okay. us one of the answers. <laughs> okay. okay. Roy, Roy okay. Halladay is yeah. definitely one of the answers. So now got we it. just have to name the other four. And, okay. you know, as is often the case, Doug, I've asked a lot of no-hitter trivia questions myself yeah. in my day, so I do think we have a shot at this. Uh, Nolan Ryan threw a no-hitter every 15 minutes. He's got to be yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> I got a little voice in my head telling me that Allie Reynolds, the old Ooh. Yankees ace from the 50s, is another one. Uh, I had another name pop into my head that I believe is right, Virgil trucks of the oh, tigers boy. i'm pretty sure he uh he pitched two no hitters and is also I, want, I don't know if you know this the grandfather of derek trucks of trucks tedeschi band fame our pal peter gammons could tell you all about him uh, actually his son was in the allman brothers uh hmm. all right so that's four if i if i'm right at least but then who else uh, here's some of the names I ran through. Max Scherzer. I feel like he threw two in one year, but I might be mixing up his 20 strikeout game with a second no-hitter. Uh, then I thought of one that Jim, Jay Bruce mentioned last week, Jim Maloney. But I, like he might have had one of his no-hitters taken away by that Faye Vincent committee because yes. he lost so, it in extra innings. Jay talked about that too. So I'm confused ooh. on him. Mark Burley. I'm almost sure he didn't pitch two in one year, but he might have. Uh, Koufax threw four of these. You can never go wrong guessing Koufax. Well, so the um, – I know, we, you know, see, I can't remember our previous no-hit trivia. So so was it Warren Spahn? Was that not in the same season? Oh, yeah. That's a good, so, that's a good point. So <laughs> That's a really good point. That's one question. And then Very good. Homer Homer Bailey's. Homer Bailey I, were consecutive, but not in the same season, I'm sure. It wasn't the same season. Okay. And, what, yeah. and Arietta did not the, different. Not the same season. Not the same years. I yeah. think we do have a shot, though. I'm not sure. But since Larry is out there prioritizing teaching the youth of America, <laughs> let's bring in the mayor of Starkville, Mayor Tim, to give us the answers. So, Mr. Mayor, is there any chance it is... Spawn, 
Halliday, Ryan, Ali Reynolds, Virgil Trucks. Well, you got it wrong, guys. But, but, but I'm going to take partial blame for for not fully vetting this question all the way through. Technically, there are six. But the reason I'm going to say you're definitely wrong, even though there are six and not five, is because Warren Spahn is incorrect. So Spahn did it at the end of one year, the beginning of the next season. So they're really close together as far as starts go, but not in the same season. Same Earth season? Uh, Are we talking? Yeah, wait. We see we misremembered. Doug, you misremembered the question. It was consecutive (laughs) no hitters. Yeah, it was not same year. So why did I listen to you? So uh, the one you missed that I'm shocked is Johnny (laughs) Vandermeer, who of course. Oh no! Back. Oh my God, that is so embarrassing. One, two. Oh my God. As disappointed as I am that you missed that one, I am so impressed that you got Allie Reynolds, Virgil Trucks, <laughs> Nolan Ryan, Roy Halladay. So you nailed those four. And actually, you said Scherzer, but you didn't settle on it. Yeah. So that's the fifth. So, I mean, uh, technically, Max. this is wrong. And, you oh know, by Doug's rules, maybe we would have gotten this one. But uh, well, like, I, sure. you know, I, like, I can still remember kidding Max about throwing a no hitter, and it wasn't even his most dominating game of the week. And so I met, like I remember the no hitter in the twenty strikeout game came the same week, um, oh but I, for, I forgot there was another no hitter earlier in the year. So that's terrible. But Johnny wow. Vandermeer, what kind of season is he have? Just I should just resign from trivia forever. <laughs> like that is so bad. So all right, so six weeks in, are we two and four? Are we two three and one? Are we two, two, <laughs> two and three? What are we? I think you're still two and four because you said Warren Spahn, who's clearly. In. <laughs> all right, Doug said that. All right, whatever. Uh, If you listen regularly, you know that whether we get the question right or wrong, we still bring in the mayor to take us back in time with some fun play-by-play clip that has something to do with our trivia question. So let's go back to the voice of doom. Mayor Tim, what do you got for us today? The voice of doom. Well, just punch it or balloon. I deserve it. I deserve it. All right, so... You know, there's these six, six, not five uh, pitchers who have thrown two no hitters in one season, but only one of them, as we've mentioned, did one in the postseason, which is so impressive. So let's go back to that one in Roy Halladay in 2010. Just about a quarter to eight, October the 6th, 2010, the first postseason game for Roy Halladay. He winds the 0 2. Swing and a dribbler out in front of the plate. Ruiz out to get it. The throw from his knees. It's in time. And it's a no-hitter. Unbelievable. Ruiz and Halliday embrace. And the Phillies again celebrate around Roy Halliday. 4 nothing. It's the second no-hitter in Major League postseason history. Here tonight at Citizens Bank Park. Scott Fransky nailed it. That gave me chills. He he's one of the best in the business. So that was really cool to hear that. And that you know, it's funny, I've seen three no hitters. That's the only one I was actually covering. The other two I was just there. <laughs> I wound up having her cover them, but it was crazy. That game was just amazing because literally fourth inning, you knew. Like I seriously, it was so incredible. Uh it's a shame that th- this was not the answer or the question last week because Jay Bruce played in the game and was the only base runner, which he mentioned on yes, Starkville. He did. Oh, well. Um, I knew there'd be a magical clip 
whether we got this thing right or wrong. The mayor did not let us down. Good work, Mayor Good work. Tim. Yeah. Uh, yep. Once again, we'll tell you how you can join us on the show to stump us with your best trivia bolt in a moment. But, Doug, speaking of no-hitters, if you recall last week, we spent a lot of time debating what to call Madison Bumgarner's exciting whatever the heck that was. So you then did the only logical thing at a time like this. You put up a Twitter poll. How'd that go? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is, of course, very exciting because I thought we'd be etched permanently in the baseball dictionary. Uh, I don't know if they <laughs> are going to accept this. but So we posed the question, what should be the nickname of a seven-inning non-no-hitter, if you want to say right, <laughs> that honors Pioneer Madison Bumgarner for his seven innings of no-hit work. And uh, so the categories, the choices were as follows. One, bum zero. Two, mad about zero. Three, hitless by bum. And four was seventh and Madison. And after a brain-stumping <laughs> 24 hours, yeah. the, the winner was bum zero, receiving 49% of the votes couple of good write-ins like a bummer that was a good one yeah uh we had others uh we didn't we didn't check on the legitimate ones like blackjack since it's 21 outs or clementine <laughs> after roberto clemente okay but bum zero took the title so that's what the the people people have requested uh, that's what the people have requested and yes. by people you mean your twitter followers Yes, yes, yes. The nation. The, the nation. The nation has spoken through your Twitter feed. And uh, uh, Doug, look, these are fun. But in my wild and weird column this past week, I conferred with my friend Mike Ferrin, uh, who called that game for the Diamondbacks. Uh, does such a great job on Sirius XM's MLB Network Radio. And uh, I have to admit, we exercised our veto power over your poll. Like, we didn't know we had veto power, but we decided we did. And um, Mike proposed that we just call this a bum garner. And you know what? The more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is it. I'm with him. Uh, see, to me, this is kind of like the Armando Galarraga game that becomes oh, wow. more legendary because it wasn't a no-hitter. So yes. let's call it a bum garner, which honors this very special category of non-no-hitter. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we did weigh that, and it definitely, his name kind of works. Uh, but I always think that a lot of times we end up in shorthand world in baseball, right? We never call things what they are. Just like I don't even know half of my teammates' full name that I played with because we always called them nicknames. Like Cooper. Coop was our trainer. Well, I forgot his first name, <laughs> and then I realized, like, yes, we got it now. So, um, but yes, so we... Uh, well, shorthand it, maybe it's a bummer, but bum garner, I, I do like it. I think it does kind of work. Yeah, like if I asked you what, what's a Maddox, you would know? I would. I would. You're not going to tell us, right? But you would know. <laughs> I've been on the <laughs> receiving end of it. That's yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, it's a complete game in under 100 pitches. Everybody knows it. And just, so if a guy throws a seven inning no hitter, we'll just say he threw another bum garner and we'll know it. It's I, I like it. I think simple is better. The other stuff, your names were awesome. Way too much to have to remember. So we're, we're going, we're going simple. We're going That's simple. what we do here. Uh, all right. All right one more thing, because we were laughing about this off air all last week. Uh, Anthony Rizzo 
got to pitch, Ooh. Doug. And who did he pitch to? He pitched to his good friend, Frederick Freddie Freeman. Or maybe it's Freddie Frederick Freeman. <laughs> anyway, here's what happened. Lefty versus lefty, and here's why David Ross made the move to match up against Freddie Freeman. The smile says it all, and Freddie's smiling right back at him. Two of the best personalities in the sport squaring off right here. He wants to punch him out so bad. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Ugh. I mean, you got to throw that baseball out. Somebody's got to. Yeah, that's right. You got to throw it out. <laughs> he kept that baseball. He also All wanted Freddie to sign his uniform. He was he was loading up. Um, so that was our friends and friends of the pod. Boog Shambi and Jim Deshays on the Marquee Sports Network. Is that correct? The proper name? Yes. Uh, all right. So, Doug, Freddie Freeman was four for four in that game off the Cubs' <laughs> real pitchers. Then he right. struck out against the first baseman because, of course, he did. But also possibly because he was laughing too hard to focus. So, Doug, uh, I wrote this in my Weird and Wild column. We need more. We need a Rizzo... Freddy sitcom, right? We do. And, and even more important, we need a name for that sitcom. Uh, you're, oh, yes. you, you're a man who comes up with the catchy names, usually just because I make you. So what do you got? Yes. Uh, well, I, I have to do a lightning round because I, I figured that for time's sake. Yep. So I've thought about it. I, I, I was sensing something 80s comedy. But um, so I try to channel that as much as I can. So I thought, um, well, first of all, free Tony. All right. Free Tony. You know, because I remember when Freddie Freeman, they were trying to free Freddie Freeman. So we'll do free Tony. All right. Mm -hmm. I have uh, a sitcom called Below Spin Rate. Uh, I got that. That's good. Uh, Punch Out with an exclamation point in honor of the Nintendo game back in the day. (laughs) Creed MLB. You know, after Apollo Creed, yeah, uh, we'll call it Lunch Angle. I think that would be really cool. <laughs> lunch Angle. Uh-huh. Uh, instead of the Fast and Furious, we'll call it the Slow and the Dubious. You just call it the Slow and the Dubious. <laughs> and uh, two more. I have Tony Loogie. You just gotta just call it Tony Loogie. The world according according to Tony Loogie. Uh, and uh, since I watch Blackish a lot, we'll call it Pitchish. You know, it wasn't really pitching. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think those those covered. It could be like a friend spinoff too, if you want to go down that road. Yeah, but they're, they're they're good. They're fun. They're not as good as mine though. You want to hear? Oh yeah. All what, right, mine, what like, all right uh, everybody loves Frederick. <laughs> right. uh, Frederick. Yep. It's always sunny in Fredericksburg. <laughs> right. Right. Always. Not bad. Uh, how I met your first baseman. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that, All right. That, I mean, that's that's right on point. And, th- and this is this is my favorite. Curb your sixty-two mile an hour enthusiasm. <laughs> All right. So we, we, this show is really going downhill fast. Uh, but yeah, I think our branding. Yeah, if you got some branding. ideas, uh, you can send them to us if you want to. You would just email them to Starkville at theathletic.com. Maybe if we have some good ones, we will feature them on the show. And if we don't, we won't. (laughs) It's pretty much how this works. 
All right, that's going to do it for another fabulous edition of Starkville. You can find us every Tuesday in our new home as part of the Athletic Baseball Show, where every Monday you get Ken Rosenthal's mailbag featuring Mayor Tim McMaster, Thursdays, Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby, Fridays, Keith Law and Derek Van Riper, all great. Uh, And the Athletic Baseball Show is available in its entirety, absolutely free, everywhere you find your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you can find us. Uh, And of course, you can still find us ad-free at The Athletic. So we would love it if you'd subscribe and feel free to give us one of those five-star ratings if you like what you hear. Also, if you would like to read our work or any of the fantastic writing on our site, on what we learned in April, on Rizzo and Freeman, on your favorite team, whatever, there is no better sports writing being done anywhere than in The Athletic. So if you've thought about subscribing, we're still offering a tremendous special. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show and you can subscribe for just $3.99 a month. So check us out. Also remember, as we've been mentioning, you too can be part of this podcast just by submitting the most fun trivia question of the week. So to do that, just submit a great baseball trivia question either via email Remember that email address I just gave you, StarkvilleAtTheAthletic.com? That'll work. Or you can do what Larry Zuaro did today and fire those questions at us on Twitter. So if you were on Twitter and you were looking for, say, Doug Glanville, where would you find that Doug Glanville? Oh, very easy. It is at Doug Glanville. Pretty exciting. D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. And... Right. uh yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to Jeff Cooper, since I remembered his name from many years ago. Uh, 25 years as the trainer of the Phillies, 1981 right. to 2006. Right. But do not tweet any trivia questions at Jeff Cooper, <laughs> even if you know how to find him. At Doug Which Glanville. we don't. <laughs> right. uh, I am at Jason S T J A Y S O N S T, And remember to hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville QS. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Rex Hudler for visiting us and entertaining us. Thanks to, Liz- thanks to Larry Zawaro for the great trivia question. Thanks to our mayor, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. Thanks to you all for listening. Coming up Thursday on the Athletic Baseball Show, it's Hunter Pence and Grant Frisbee. Doug and I will see you next Tuesday on Starkville. Starkville.